You have this Ugh. creepy nurse lady whose face you don't actually see laying out medical instruments with no gloves on. What was that? 1991. From Rosemary's Baby and Reggie McNeil to Jason, Freddie, and Chucky to Samara Jigsaw Pennywise, we can't get enough. If it's blood-curdling, spine-tingling, breath-quickening, or soul-stealing, we are ready to watch it. Welcome to Hilltop Horror Movie Reviews. I'm your host, Ray Richards. With me in the studio are my two co-hosts, Anne Conley. Hello, people. And Helen Stewart. Hello. All right. Well, tonight we are reviewing the 1992 American horror film Hellraiser 3, Hell on Earth. The third installment in the Hellraiser series. It was directed by Anthony Hickox and stars Doug Bradley, Terry Farrell, Paula Marshall, and Kevin Bernhardt. Ashley Lawrence, who starred in the previous two films, has a cameo. Following the events of Hellbound Hellraiser 2, in which the demon Pinhead is imprisoned in a statue, he resurrects himself by absorbing the life force of unlucky humans. After converting several power-hungry youths into new Cenobites, Pinhead goes on a rampage opposed by a reporter in the spiritual manifestation of his good half. All right, well, a little bit of housekeeping out of the way. I have a cold right now, so if I sound completely different, I apologize, ladies. (laughs) <laughs> that's okay we still like you i mean it's kind of deeper which is kind of cool i'm kind of i kind of sound cooler to me but it's all right are you calling yourself sexy uh, i might be this I is might Ray's be. sexy voice <laughs> this is my sexy voice <laughs> so so i picked this movie because i had to complete the trilogy for hellraiser this movie is actually the movie i saw that made me want to go back and watch the hellraiser movies and now i wonder why exactly yeah but i'm glad helen had the uh you have to go back to the original first to watch it so you're welcome so that's good thank god because <laughs> this would not have made any sense not that it made any sense anyways but would have made even less sense <laughs> exactly all right and why don't you roll the trailer for us sure thing ray here we go and trailer time action in hellraiser one clive barker showed you his vision of a private hell in hellraiser two he took you on a journey inside the inferno now the terror returns in mankind's final confrontation with evil jesus christ not quite and this time it's going to be hell on earth Hellraiser 3, Hell on Earth. All right, well, let's kick this thing off by talking about the plot of Hellraiser 3 and the evolution of the mythology from the Hellraiser Part 1 and 2, kind of where it went. Did you guys think that they went in an interesting direction with this movie as far as kind of taking Pinhead and spinning him off almost into his own thing? Interesting would not be the word I would use. <laughs> okay. I was trying to stifle my giggles on that one. <laughs> I did like that, of course, they brought the box back. I mean, that's central to the whole thing. Like, you pretty much can't do it without the box, we would hope. So I was glad to see that come back. I thought it was interesting that in the first two movies, you're kind of following the same kind of central characters. Totally in America, too. Yeah, New York. Like, yeah, we didn't have that kind of 
We weren't even like quasi England. Right. Yeah. We always had that like as an English, as an American. And now we're just straight up in New York with a whole new set of characters and no tie really back except for the little video of Kirstie. Well, and the other thing I just did not understand and talk about the evolution of the mythology is like this whole idea around the statue. Because first of all, the statue was super cool looking in this. I mean, you're like, oh, there's this weird, he goes to a creepy art gallery and finds this piece that speaks to him. And it's like these trapped souls in the box. Like the way it kind of started was pretty cool. But then they do that flashback to the weird, creepy pillar thing with the faces on it from (laughs) Razor 2. And I'm like, wait, was that supposed to be the same quote unquote statue? Oh, Lord. it, It got an upgrade between movies, I think. I guess as it kills people it takes them into this pillar thing yeah i mean i'm okay with that i have no problem with uh, magical statues i can go along yeah with that. i mean i don't have a problem with that either it just didn't seem like it could happen without having been with somebody and you just assumed we went from the kirstie story to jp well i just assumed that they did a different rendition of it in the third movie because they got like a budget upgrade or something like that. Like, <laughs> I figured they didn't want to use the same janky looking sort of pillar, but it was obviously supposed to be the same basic idea. No, right? I, I don't think that was obvious at all. I had no clue until they did the flashback. Right. And then they showed like the cardboard like <laughs> pillar with like the fake face plastered on. And I was like, oh, it's supposed to be that thing, which didn't make any sense in the first place. Okay, I didn't, yeah, I mean, it, the funny thing is, is the pillar didn't make any sense in the end of the second movie, no. but they kind of make it make more sense in this one that essentially mm-hmm. what happened in the second movie was Pinhead's identity was split in two, and the good Pinhead, kind of the, the World War II guy, Elliot, mm-hmm. he kind of went his own way. Went to heaven, I guess, or whatever. Purgatory. And purgatory. And then Pinhead, the evilness of Pinhead, kind of was independent of hell and the labyrinth and all that, you know, right stuff that happened in the second movie. So it became like this pillar. And I like the idea that the box, instead of the box calling them, the box was used to get him back to hell, right? It was sending them back there so that Leviathan could, whatever Leviathan's going to do with them when he gets back there, right? So I kind of dug that idea that Pinhead was sort of on his own, doing his own thing. I like that Pinhead was like a single operator, but I, I uh, the whole idea that he was like not bound to hell, I kind of was like, okay, fine. I, I mean, think that's how they did it in the last one. So I just kind of went along with it. I mean, the funny thing was he apparently still has the corporate card for chains. Yeah. Like that's his thing. That's he can still thing. get the chains from hell. They didn't shut that off. Yeah. And I thought it was interesting that with this pillar, the boxes. The box is within, like embedded within, and mm-hmm. then you assume that hospital guy takes the box, which is then the hole where the rat is in, yep. that then JP gets bitten by in this really disgusting, bloody showdown with him and the rat. Yeah. I don't know. It just almost like very bizarre how it all kind of <laughs> came together, but it did. <laughs> did, did you guys Did you guys notice that they don't, they don't use the word Cenobite in the entire movie? They say yeah. demon all the time. Right, Not yeah. once do they use the word Cenobite. Interesting. Well, it was funny because when, when we were watching the first one and Ray and you're like, oh, the Cenobites this, the Cenobites that. I'm like, I have never heard this before. But like you being more familiar with this mythology, it was sort of like an accepted regular term. And they, I guess they did use it maybe in the first one as well at the very end. Yeah, in the second one, definitely. That's second where you got a lot do. of the mythology. Yeah, maybe they didn't in the first or definitely not much. And then they did in the second. But yeah, I thought the same one. I mean, you could tell this was a different director. It had a different feel. It was in different location. It was just a totally different vibe. All right. Next, let us go through the characters. Let's talk about who we meet in this new movie. So the very first person we meet 
I'm going to call Uncle Frank version two. J.P. Monroe, right? I, who didn't think he was Uncle Frank? It looks just like Uncle Frank to me. I definitely thought he was Uncle Frank, but, you know, they just couldn't get that character back. The actor? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I don't know. I just, again, I have such low expectations going into these movies. I just assume <laughs> different characters, different budget, nothing's, I, I, I don't assume anything's going to make sense. Did your, these, did so your um, I, appreciation kind of increase once you saw those snazzy shoes come out of that car? Those That was the first thing. That was the first shot, right? Yeah, the red yeah. snakeskin with the, you know, silver tips or whatever. I was just like... What, what? Where are we and what is happening? <laughs> and I also thought him going into like kind of, you know, that that spooky art gallery was it just didn't feel right to me because I was like, this art gallery is way more cultured than you and your red snake skin boots. I was like, Ugh. but I like that. I liked where they were going with his character that he was totally self infatuated, you know, and you see him polishing the boots in one scene. So you know, I like the idea. Um, but yeah, definitely he he had this very wet and greasy appearance as, you know, Uncle Frank did throughout. <laughs> the first yeah, no, yeah, I mean, he was definitely clearly an homage to Uncle Frank. Um, and he was the main, you know, pleasure seeker in the movie. That's fair. So we also got a, a new version of the bum, the vagrant or whatever, who sells, quote unquote, sells him the, right. the pillar, which mm-hmm. is interesting. Um, hey, he was an artist, starving artist. Yeah, I guess okay? he was. But, Ray. but I really liked what he said when he's like, he's like, take pleasure in it. Yeah, and I was like, that's yeah. cool. I like how they did a lot of good um, dialogue, in my opinion, from him and from Pinhead and everything about pleasure, about it being about pleasure. And then the second movie, I felt like we got away from that a little bit because more like Kirsty versus the Cenobites and all that. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, a labyrinth battle royale yeah i mean i like that i like the mythology <laughs> but it got a little bit away from that yeah yeah so um what did you think about so let's move on to terry the dark-haired girl who becomes the dreamer centipede what did you think about her because i have some strong feelings about her <laughs> i think she had to have been the worst i think i could have done a better job i felt like she was high i, I just, don't even know if she was hot like on what Unlike Coke. okay she was like so <laughs> okay. jittery yes. that right? whole girl on girl conversation yeah Wait, wait, wait. That's... I'm just kidding. Okay, the, convers- <laughs> the conversation. Gotcha. Sorry. Sorry. No, okay. Although I thought it was leading towards that way. I mean, when it might have made the, the it might have added some and stars. Like, oh, I like that scenery. Some, yeah. yeah, I oh. points to my <laughs> to my rating. <laughs> he was that excited uh-huh. about it. Stars, uh-huh. I'll throw stars. Uh-huh. Yeah. It definitely would have improved the rating in my book uh-huh. for sure. <laughs> no, here's the thing though. I couldn't tell if she was a bad actress or if she was so good that she was portraying this girl in the way that they wanted her portrayed, which is kind of like she's what maybe late teens early 20s like homeless like she's jittery she's probably coming off of some high yeah you know i mean the whole thing it's like two o'clock in the morning and she's like partially slutty every time she sits down her legs are spread wide open and her hands are down there like i mean did anybody else notice that i noticed that yeah it's really only the one season scene (laughs) right she does it twice she does it twice in the movie in the same scene no no no. she does it once in joey's apartment and once when she's with uncle frank or uh, jp (laughs) oh yeah on his bed yeah, but I mean, she's supposed to be a slut, right? That's her. Well, life. she's just she's supposed to be. That's how se- she sexually lives, liberated. Yeah, she's got to do. What she's got to spend do. a night yeah. in somebody's house. You know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. She's yeah wor- we're not judging. It. No. Yeah, I thought she was supposed to be young, naive. You know, potentially doped up by boyfriends and other things. Oh, she yeah. gets there, right? Well, I mean, the very first thing she thinks when she has a conversation with Joey and Joey brings up her father is that he molested her. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, so I actually think her character was pretty well done. 
up until the point that she kind of obviously becomes the the Cenobite. But I I didn't remember her becoming a Cenobite from the last time I watched the movie. Right there, yeah. I didn't. I was like, I, wait, that's Terry. And that was yeah. kind of tragic to me. It actually was kind of tragic to me because I felt yeah. like she was on the precipice of maybe having a good life with Joey a little bit. Yeah, it was sad. Yeah, but I like that it was supposed to be tragic for her. You know, I think it was interesting to have something tragic mixed in. All right, let's move on to who I think is the worst actor in this movie, which is Doc. He did not bother me. He didn't bother me either. He bugged me. And maybe it was the dubbing. Maybe the ADR was bad. God, I the just dubbing of this whole movie was atrocious. Yeah, yeah, it was bad. Why Why does every single Hellraiser but, movie have horrible dubbing? But, but why? See, but what I don't understand is this. Like, I don't feel like Joey, and especially Pinhead, had a problem with it. I, everyone I, else did. I felt like only certain, I, I agree, it was weird. It was like only certain characters were redubbed. It was like, was your voice acting that bad that they had to go back and get a completely different actor to redub? That, that could be, yeah. I mean, we didn't see that in, in the wiki anywhere, but it was weird. I mean, it was bad. Bad. But yeah, so maybe the double dubbing <laughs> bothered yeah, you. I, I don't, well, sometimes. But he was just like a hippie camera dude. I liked his character. He was looking out for her. Oh, I dug yeah. his character. Yeah. I just didn't dig the acting so much. And then when high. then when he became a Cenobite, I really didn't dig his acting, Mister One Liner. Oh yeah, yeah. That was a terrible no. Cenobite. All the Cenobites were yeah. bad. Yeah, just bring back the originals. Well, he couldn't because the originals were in hell, or maybe not in hell anymore, and yeah, he had to invent I, his own. I just thought they sucked. Well, yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there in a second. <laughs> All right, so I, I take it back. Doc's acting was not as bad as Sandy, who is the blonde that has sex with JP. In case anybody listening is like, "Who the hell is Sandy?" I don't remember Sandy. Uh, <laughs> she's the she didn't. The actress did not want to be topless. So it, when you watch the movie, you'll notice that JP has his hands over her boobs the entire time and just basically kneading dough and like getting ready to make some bread or something. Yeah, I bet you were loving that boob scene, Ray. I, you know what though? I need some nipple, or else it's really. I don't, I, I can't, I don't know. I need something. Wasn't your thing? It was not my thing. boob guy? I, I, all I saw was more of JP's hands and I didn't. So if he had nipples on his hands, like painted, <laughs> would you have been okay? That would have been, that would have been, creepy. that would have been really awesome. I mean, that I think is, an, he needs to go in a Hellraiser movie. Uh, yeah, I like that. You're I like, welcome, I like when your Parker. mind's going. <laughs> <laughs> so do you, that what about her acting? That terrible. Well, it was it was bad. She's a ditzy blonde. I don't know why we expect her yeah. to. Oh be my acting. gosh, but is she acting or not? I hope I, she's acting. I did find it a little like, oh my god, we're going to have like a conversation about how you're just using me for my sex. Come on. You gave me a rose. Like it was a it was a flower. But that's also scripting. Yeah, not just yeah it's not just her. Yeah, you're right. It's just, you know, I did not like the character well, that she Well, had right to before that, she's like, "Oh man, like this painting is so dark, man. But again, yeah, I, mean, I felt yeah, like exactly. that was the character. Like she was, again, that's scripting, right? That's the character. Oh, I mean, I, I totally hope that they wanted her to be that way. And she just wasn't that way because yeah. that was bad acting otherwise. I mean, she definitely wasn't top notch, but there was a lot of lack of top notch action going on in this true, movie. True. <laughs> Let's talk about Joey, our main character here. I liked her. I thought she was a pretty good actress in this movie, given the movie. She was decent. She was very Ralph Lauren model. I couldn't stand the hey, nightgown. She was about tight stories, not tight skirts. But she was wearing an extremely tight skirt at the time. That was so obnoxious that they shot her like up the crotch wearing like a 12 inch mini like yeah. and it skin didn't sucking even skirt. Fit her right. I'm not about wearing tight skirts. Oh, what? When yeah. she was like in her shirt was like uh, down to her navel was open like down to her navel. I think it was the same person. Yeah. I was like this is a totally different like character in the show then i'm like no is it supposed to be the same check 
And then you just kind of put two and two together. But I, I did think one thing that was cool was they were good about transforming the actress from the makeup on news reporter well put together to the like looking like shit hair disheveled in a tracksuit. <laughs> yeah. Like they actually had a pretty good spectrum of making her look different, you know, depending on the do, situation. Do you want me to tell you what I thought was the sexiest part of the movie? Don't say the nightgown. No, I don't understand that nightgown. It's okay. like drapes. Like what was with understand. the big bow? No, I didn't get that. But you know what I thought was the sexiest <laughs> part of the movie? is it went, it, But right before she goes to the boiler room at the very end, and she's like chucking her gray s- turtleneck into her pants. And there's some weird, she's like, tuck those things in. And I was like, hmm, okay. I don't know why. That, Se- wait, se- wait that was the sexiest sexy. part. Wow. Yeah, yeah, I mean, kind of, yeah. Right, I like, mean, mm, waistline. I mean, aside, I mean aside, <laughs> aside from like the actual sex scene, if you want to, but that J.P. Monroe was way too present in that sex scene for me. Yeah, it's his scene. It is his scene. Yeah. So the shirt tucking was the next hottest scene. That, in the- <laughs> I mean, you got to go all the way all down guys, to the shirt. watch out all, for that shirt tucking All to the scene. shirt tucking, I'm just telling you. It wasn't even the crossing of the legs with the short skirt? With the no, no, no. no. There, was something, like, there was something very intimate and uh, private about her, her doing that. I thought it was, shirt it was tucking voy- it was is voyeuristic. legitimately shirt tucking. I gotta be, it's a little voyeuristic <laughs> on my part, but that's okay. All right. Anything else about Joey? I didn't like her like, save my daddy, my daddy. I'm like, Ugh, I don't need all that. It's a little weird to me. Yeah, the whole daddy thing was obnoxious. I like that her name was, wasn't her name Joanne? Mm-hmm. But she went by Joey. I thought that was cool. At first I was like, oh, how's she going to go like Joe and Joey? And I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Uh, but yeah, yeah, generally, all things considered, I thought she was pretty good. I did think she was atrocious in the hospital, however. Yes, oh, the whole yeah. thing was a little and, weird. And Ray, you were like, oh, okay, she's going to be the best actress. Like, in the, And I saw that hospital scene and I was just like, oh, God, wait, what? Please, please tell me the movie gets better from this. Yeah, actually, She's just hysterical. You just want to like slap her and she doesn't know right. what she's doing and none of it makes any sense. Yeah, that whole I, thing's ridiculous. I actually think the worst time she acts in the movie is whenever she's like, I need to get to the center of this story. Like, I don't, like, yeah, that, like it didn't seem order. like, yeah, it didn't seem like, I don't know. She just, I don't know, it seemed like it was poorly I written. I taken seriously. Yeah. So, like, can I just bring up the hospital scene real quick? You have this uh, creepy nurse lady whose face you don't actually see laying out medical instruments with no gloves on. What was that? 1991? No. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know. It was like just, I felt like it was just trying to get you into the mood. Like yeah. it, okay. it, it, I mean, I mean why does the hospital right. have no lights? It didn't make any it, sense. It was, yeah, it, it yeah. must felt like it was going to enter the realm that we saw kind of with Hellraiser 2 with the yeah, weird hallway yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. And then like when she got kind of smacked with the chains, I thought something was going to happen with that. Ooh, can, can I bring yeah. it up real quick? She's going to get like infected or something. So, <laughs> I, so I know that uh, Elliot, good pinhead, says that because of her dreams about her father – that's how he gets to her. But I think the whole reason she's tagged at all is because she gets hit with that chain. Her uh, blood, the chain, blood, chain, blood, chain. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I'm just I saying. Guess let's go yeah, with that it. That makes sense. That's hell yeah. Bad dreams don't make any sense uh, anyways. Okay. Like when they said, I totally agree. Okay. So anybody that has like dreams about their dead father that they never met from 35 years ago is like, I can get to you. Yeah. I don't know. I, it literally didn't make any sense. Yeah. Agreed. All right. And let's move on to Kirsty, who gets a grainy cameo in some VHS thing. Oh, like, what is, like That was the worst to me. Like, why did they just bring her back as the main yeah, character? that was – well, and also I just felt like they had to go with this grainy video because how much later was this? Like, did she age yeah, considerably? Like three or four years. And then in the movie, did they say it was six months or something? They said it was a lot later, I thought. No, I don't know. I don't know. 
But um, I was like, oh, maybe she's aged. And they had to give her like a blurry <laughs> camera shot died. But I still love Kirstie. I know. I hope she, she made some money more. for that. Yeah. I don't, I mean, 25 I bucks. thought that the video could have been a little bit more elaborate too. Yeah, I'll second that. They have this big buildup to the Kirsty file, right? Then they pull up the video and you're like, all she's doing is screaming about like, why don't you believe me? And there's like no content in there. I mean, she does say about Demons. the box. Yeah. She says about the box right. being the gateway or something like that. Yeah. Which you're kind of like, all right, like, were they not going to figure that out? Or could they... But there was just no delivery on it. It was such a bummer. Unless it was just to share the static with Elliot, right? Elliot yeah, pops they, in at they, that point. They did at one point, but I mean, yeah. they didn't have to show her. They yeah. did that later. All right, let's move on and talk about the new Cenobites. We get a host of new baddies. So we have the CD Cenobite. Cool or not cool? Not cool. Not cool. Hey, man, that was cutting edge in 1991 or two or whatever, right? No. Okay. <laughs> I, I liked him as a kid. I thought he was awesome. Uh, Barbie Cenobite, which is the 10. which is the barber or the, I mean, the barber Jesus, which was the bartender, <laughs> uh, who was a Molotov cocktail guy. Cool, not cool. Not cool. No. I mean, he was a little rotund, but I I liked him. He was all right. How about Piston Head? JP turned into Piston Head. Nope. Yeah, he, I I didn't think he was cool. <laughs> he at all. was so disgusting, but I liked the metaphorical like head banging, like he was like you know that his brain was basically getting fucked. By that thing nonstop. Okay. And you say so. and you say I'm weird, Helen. I'm just, I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. Just pointing this out. That's clearly why they did that. Yes. Sexiest part of the movie for Anne there. All right. Sure. What Dreamer. <laughs> Dreamer Cenobite. No. Terry. No, horrible. Yeah, I don't know why they had to give her cigarettes. I don't really understand that. Everyone in the movie smoked in every other scene. So I don't know. They had to give her a gimmick. They should have kept some hair on her. That was just not fair. I didn't understand how we had the original female Cenobite where it had the neck flaying. Neck, yeah. And then she, they just, oh, we I, can't come up I with anything else. I believe that's called the neck gina. Neck gina. Oh, yeah. I was trying to come up with a term, but that's, that <laughs> definitely is it. The neck gina. She gets a neck gina with a yeah. cigarette in it. Yeah, so obnoxiously. So, yeah, just. Gender stereotyping in the Cenobites. How dare you, Clive Barker? We can't think of anything else for a female, so everybody gets a neck gyna. Come on. <laughs> that's, that's a little gross. Um, all right. And then we have Doc, which is the camera head Cenobite. He was like the main dude, man. So lame. Yeah, he was like the ringleader. I liked him. I don't understand why he had a tumor growing out of his head, why well, he couldn't just have the well, lens. Be, because they had to put the mechanics on the it's, outside it's of the a, guy's we, face. It wasn't reality. a nice little tiny camera like we have now. Yeah, they yeah, had, they had like, the whole you know, they, battery pack. Yeah, you didn't see behind him. He had an entire freaking like studio back there. No, I get it. But I felt like even the scenes where it didn't need to be animated, you know, they could have just stuck a lens over his eye, yeah. like an eye patch, and he would have been fine. Yeah, I, I felt like the, the makeup with all the Cenobites was... Pretty crappy, quite honestly. Yeah, even movie. Pinhead was terrible, and I well, did I okay. did read about it that he yeah. that to make the makeup less like exhausting with how much work they had to put into it, they gave him less makeup or whatever to make it easier to put on, but it was more uncomfortable. But it looks like crap. Yeah, I, I agree. I didn't like it either. They just use eyeliner to well, draw lines on his face. <laughs> <laughs> but he, but here's so let's go let's talk about Pinhead real quick because I think that Pinhead is definitely different in this movie than he was in the other movies. But I wonder if partially it's because he actually isn't Pinhead. He's like this only evil part of what the total Pinhead was. And he's not associated with the Leviathan in hell anymore. So it's almost like this weird aberration. Because he certainly is much more emotive than the other Pinheads. Yeah, I kind of like am surprised by that. I would think that if you're more evil, you would do less talking. 
but it seemed to be the other way around. And he had some more like one liners, almost like they got jealous over Freddy Krueger and were well, like, well, let's put some funny I, in I there. agree. I think that they, although I did like a lot of his lines. I mean, he uses, he says the word flesh and banal. And I mean, that actor's great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Doug banal. Bradley's great. I mean, he can just turn a phrase. He can just turn a phrase. Yep. Second sexiest thing. I mean, he <laughs> was. He, actually, he actually was the second sexiest thing in the movie. <laughs> Absolutely. I don't know. I, I don't mean to nitpick, but I just felt like he delivers it well. I'm, I'm not debating that. I thought he was fantastic at that. But it just felt like, again, the scripting, like they were trying to be poetic and they were coming off like a second grader. It was like, put some effort into it. Come on. I, don't know, I liked it. I mean, I, I definitely like the fact that they drew direct parallels between JP having sex with Sandy and him basically skinning her and, and absorbing her, you know, saying like, you enjoyed her and I enjoyed her and this whole thing. And I thought that's what Hellraiser is about, right? It's about the com- the combination of sex and pleasure and that turning into like a sadomasochistic thing, which turns into like cutting things with razors and chains apparently yeah i mean i like that in the previous ones they juxtapose the pleasure and pain i felt like a lot more i felt like they didn't hit home on this one on that really i didn't think the second one had almost any of that i thought it was really just about kirsty and stuff the first one did i think obviously set the bar because they were the original time so i agree with that but helen so i feel like the first one i didn't think that they really hit home with the pleasure the second one, they had those little ladies on the little Borg kind of table. Yeah, so with I Uncle felt like Frank. you kind of got a little bit more there. And this one, I felt like I definitely saw a lot more of the pleasure, not so much of the pain. Well, I'll tell you where the pain was. It's in the boiler room because when Pinhead <laughs> actually gets out and he's doing his thing, there's that one scene where everybody's trying to escape and the doors lock. Mm-hmm. And all you hear is the chains going, whoosh, whoosh, oh, whoosh, yeah. Whoosh, and there's just somebody with a bucket of blood just squishing it underneath the doors. <laughs> yeah. And I actually really, really liked that. I thought that was very effective. I liked it in the beginning. It was a bit drawn out. But yeah. I, I like the idea. You were like, oh, this definitely saves on your special effects budget. And it was so creepy. Yeah, I mean, at some point, like, some of the special effects, like, don't look. Like, how many times can you have, kind of have flesh, like, tearing up? Like, your imagination, you're like, I don't know what's going on in there. There's all these chains and stuff's going to happen, and it's all this blood. I don't know. I liked it. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's talk about the boiler room real quick. Because have you ever been to a place that was, like, a bar and then a heavy metal mosh pit? Yeah, and then fine, fine dining. dining. Yes. <laughs> the soundproofing, it must be I mean, I, I mean, yeah. I have been to a bar where it had four different or five different stories, and each story was a different theme. And the top story was the nicest, like that. I'm not sure I would say fine dining, but it was sit-down I would say linen tablecloths. I wouldn't say linen dining per se. It wasn't, it wasn't that amazing. But on some level, I was kind of like, oh, I could see that. Like maybe it was different tiers, but it was so weird though. My favorite was to your point, right? When they go into the heavy metal bar and she's looking for JP and, and they go, yeah, just back there past the bathroom. And then like, boom, she's in fine dining. I'm like, yeah. wow, you, you had to walk a far way to get to a bathroom. Like well, what? She's like, I'm looking for a pretty girl. Oh, that way. You, yeah. He sent her to JP. That's yeah. why. Yeah, he had she's all like, girls. really? They're all there? Because like, there looks like there's half naked women everywhere who are attractive. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Funny. I don't. I don't disagree. All right. What do you think about the Vietnam slash World War One dreamscape scenes? Yeah, the locations in the scenes. Like, what did you think about them? Quickly. I didn't. I still did't understand what was happening. You're just like, okay, like the captain's there. Like at the end, you're kind of like, oh, okay. It's purgatory, and I thought that the effects were relatively well done, like lots of blasts and bloodshed and gore, which I think is the point, right? 
I, I just was wondering if the only reason why that they had to do it that way was because the only way that she would trust to give the box away was to give it to her father. Yeah, I agree. I think it was that, and I think the only reason they showed World War One is so that Elliot could say, like, when we got done with the war, people either died or they drank themselves to death, and I went on this other way and right. did my own thing. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Are you talking about the daddy scenes, not the well, both. captain scenes? Both, both. Yeah, the daddy scenes were obnoxious. And like <laughs> that he was like shot in the heart and then they had his heart like beating outside of his right. body or like some crap. It was just so over the top. Yeah. All right. And finally, let's just touch on the very last location we see, which is the Lament Configuration building, which I thought was kind of cool. And for people who don't know what the Lament Configuration is, he's referring to the patterns on the box. The box itself. Yes. Yeah. It was cool. Like it. Again, it was funny. So she buries that box in the in the foundation. Then you're like, why are they showing me this building? What does this have to do with anything? And then you walk in and yeah, the box pattern is everywhere. I just thought that was cool. Does this does anybody know if this plays any future role? So in the future my games? understanding is no. They never picked this up. But I oh. could be wrong about that. I know they don't pick up in the in the fourth one. That would have been a smart, smart way to move forward. Yeah, I would I would agree. Yeah, like the whole Ghostbusters House of Zool type of thing would have been way cooler. I, I'm thinking there's a lot of doing it going on in the meeting rooms in that building. Well, a lot of rimming the circles. A lot of rimming the circle. <laughs> All right. Well, now that we've reviewed the movie, it's time to rate it. Only the best movies make it to the top of the hill, and to be the best, they have to perform in three categories. The first is technical composition, which represents how well the movie's made, including the script, directing, cinematography, acting, and effects. The second's impact, which represents how well the movie accomplished its emotional intent. Was it scary or funny? Did it make you question mankind or the nature of your reality? And third is enjoyment, which is pretty simple. How much did you enjoy the movie? Would you watch it again? Do you never want to watch it again? Now, our rating scale goes from a 1 to a 10, with a 1 being the worst and the 10 being the best. All right, Helen, give us your three scores. Oh, dear. So, for technical, I would give this a 4. For impact, I would give it a 5. For enjoyment, I would probably give it a 4. Because I, I I don't know. The first two I thought were really kind of well done. They weren't great movies, but they were bad in a good way. This one was just bad. It was bad. Okay. <laughs> She's what? like, how many times can I repeat it? It's bad. Right. Anne, <laughs> give us your scores. Oh, man. Uh, well, not to belabor it. Yeah, for tech, I, I've got to give it less than average because just – the the makeup was bad. I mean, the costuming was was basic. The the box, the statue definitely earned them some bonus points. So, I'm going to give it a 4 as well. Um for impact, I just I don't know, I wasn't impressed. Uh I mean, even even the flesh grinding scenes like weren't as graphic as past ones, so it, it just wasn't super interesting to me either. So, I'm also going to give it a 4. And for enjoyment, I, I didn't enjoy this. It just felt like such I hate to say this, such a dude movie. Because it was just like a lot of gore. And again, I didn't feel like it was particularly complex from, um, you know, a plot perspective. But I could see this being big in the 90s. That was the thing. I was like, I could see like my brother in 92 enjoying this and like me eye rolling for sure. But for my enjoyment, I'm going to give it a three. All right. So I am going to give this a five for tech. I thought it was okay. The as Helen said, the makeup was not as good on uh, some of the people as 
past movies. Um, Pinhead, he still pulls it through for me. I like his uh, eloquence. I like his dialogue. Joey was a pretty good actress, but everyone else is kind of mediocre in my opinion. Impact, I'm going to give it a four. Really didn't add a whole lot to the mythology aside from doing what I consider to be a slightly better job at uh, combining the sex and the sort of pleasure that the Cenobites seek. And as far as enjoyment, I will give it a four. It was okay. It was not the best. If uh, Pinhead hadn't been in there saying some cool stuff, I really probably would have forgotten the movie already. All right, and crank it. All right. Well, not surprisingly, I rated this one the lowest at a 3.67. And Ray and Helen, you guys are tied at a 4.33, bringing the overall rating of Hellraiser 3, Hell on Earth, to a whopping 4.11. That sounds right. Where does that where does that put it in the overall rankings? <laughs> Number thirty nine out of forty two. That's uh, that's tough. Where what is it? What is it directly below and directly above? Oh, it's directly below VHS <laughs> and only beats out Evil Dead Two, which is perfect. Thirteen Ghosts and Mara. I got to be honest with you. I disliked VHS a lot more than I disliked this movie. But yeah, okay. <laughs> any other final thoughts oh I, I, it goes like hand in hand with evil dead too it's no, perfect i agree i mean i think it's right in there with evil dead too atrocious <laughs> anything else helen i'm good all right well if you enjoyed this podcast help us grow our audience rate and review us on apple Podcasts or whichever podcast app you use and please share with your friends and family on facebook twitter and other social media platforms Give us a shout-out to tell us how we're doing or suggest movies to review. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter. You can also email us at host.hth at gmail.com. I want to thank you for joining us for this episode of Hilltop Horror Movie Reviews. I'm your host, Ray Richards, and on behalf of my co-hosts, thank you for listening, and I hope you'll join us next time. 